You're going where? You're doing what? Are you crazy, Aunt Tam? Make sure you subscribe. Welcome to Many Roads Traveled. I'm Tamara, and I have one question for you. Do you love to travel? Awesome! Well, then I invite you to join me on my 30,000-mile road trip from Paris to Cape Town back to Nairobi. One more thing. We'll be traveling back in time to 1993 before the internet, Google Maps, and cell phones. However, not to worry because I do give you up-to-date info on each episode. Plus, you can always find more information on my website, manyroadstravel.com. So without further ado, let's hit the road. Okay, so today it's episode 56. And today's episode, it's all about Mozambique, which also happened to be my last new country on this trip before I went to UK, of course. So that takes me to, this is Mozambique's country number 29 and my 20th African country on this trip. Also, we're going to be covering about 1,200 miles, taking us up to 27,850 miles on the trip. Yeah, let's just basically pick up where we left off on the last episode. Of course, if this is your first episode you're listening to, then, you know, why not come along on the whole trip? It's packed full of adventures and craziness. <laughs> and of course, I give you Tam's top tips at the end of every episode, which are updated, so not from 1993-94 when this trip took place. <laughs> and trust me, traveling was a lot harder back then than it is now. Although I have to say it's probably a lot more adventurous. Okay, so as I said, it's now day 437. I had just spent some time hanging out with some older guys in Manzini. Even got a pretty woman offer. You'll have to listen to the last episode to hear about that. They dropped one of them, Peter, dropped me off just outside of Manzini in Swaziland, so southern Africa, so I could hitch my way to the Mozambique border. Because after, you know, taking almost a year to come down from Paris to Cape Town, I decided that I was going to try and hitch solo as much as possible from Durban, South Africa, back up to Nairobi. From there, I was going to fly to England. Basically, so good so far. <laughs> Didn't have to wait too long. Managed to get a ride to the Mozambique border from, from Manzini, Swaziland. It's not too far. And when I got out at the border, the two custom guys were like, um, you know, because I walked across it. Madam, where's your car? <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm hitching. You know, it's okay. Yeah, you know, I have my house on my back, you know, pointed to my backpack and with my tent and everything. And they're looking at me like, you are crazy. <laughs> Which is also what pretty much every person uh, throughout these next few months hitching, that's usually the first thing they'd said to me too. It was like, are you crazy? <laughs> so I guess I was a bit. Got my tent, I got everything, I got my house on my back, is what I said. So they said, well, don't put your house much further than like 100 or 200 meters, maybe from the main road because at the time even now I think like there was only one main kind of road that went along the coast uh, with a lot of you know side roads but you kind of took that main road until almost like half through halfway through Mozambique and then it kind of there's a few more major roads that kind of cut back into Malawi and, and Zimbabwe so I was like oh okay I was like why and they're like well because there's going to be at least a million landmines that haven't exploded yet still buried in Mozambique because Mozambique had recently just come out of a 15-year civil war. 
So they only got their independence because they're an ex-Portuguese colony. So they only got their independence in 1975. And then 1977, they were in a civil war for 15 years. So I went March 1994. So it was still a little bit hectic. They hadn't had their first free elections yet. So it was still a little bit crazy there. And of course, 15 years of civil war, you know, pretty much destroyed the country, you know, infrastructure and killed over a million Mozambicans going through a hard time. It was when I was there, it was ranked as the number one poorest country in the world. Like I knew kind of what I was kind of knew what I was going into. But when you hit poverty that bad, like it's hard. Anyways, so I said to the custom guys, I was like, okay, that's probably the best tip I've ever been told. <laughs> like I will not go too far off the main road for sure. Another point, I don't know if you remember, but uh, I think it was 96, so a couple years after I was there, Princess Diana, she did that really huge campaign about getting rid of all the landmines in Mozambique. So, yeah, that was like two years before I was there. So God knows how many landmines that were are still active when I was there. Like the guy said, probably at least a million, which is brutal. Anyways, so I managed to get a ride with the Mozambican guy at the border to Maputo, which is the capital of Mozambique. Yeah, Maputo is, you know, big city. A lot of other African capitals, big cities I went to, like half the city was kind of, you know, well off, and then the half was really quite poor. But in Maputo, it, it was all mixed. So you could, you know, see a really lovely building that was still standing. No war destruction to the buildings or anything like that. And then literally in front of it, in a ditch, would be a couple of metal huts or rendezvous where people, you know, who had nothing lived. So that was kind of bizarre and sad, obviously. So my guy, he took me to a couple hostels, but they were full. And then we finally found one that only had one room. And it was like $10 a night. And you had to book for two nights, which, you know, I was strapped with money. <laughs> so I was like, well, that sucks. But the guy, the guy who picked me up, he was like, oh, I'll pay for your first night. And then he goes, I'll come back a little bit later and take you where you can exchange some money. Because I only had U.S. dollars. So I was like, oh, okay, well, that's really lovely. Thank you. So I got my room and yeah, he came back a little bit later. We went to dinner together and then I, ex I exchanged some money. So at the time, I got 6,000 Medi-Cal's to the U.S. dollar. So everyone just called it METS. And then the next day, because, of, you know, I was supposed to stay for two nights, but he, like I said, he would paid for the first night. And I did, had walked around Puto a bit, but I just know how to, I don't really like big cities that much, and I didn't really want to pay $10 <laughs> for that night's accommodation. So I decided that I was just going to leave. Did that, got my backpack on. Ended up walking like, oh my God, 12 to 15 blocks through Maputo. Finally found a bus that was going out of town, which was packed. So squeezed onto that because I was getting quite spoiled with the hitching <laughs> now. So got out of town, got off and I was waiting about half an hour and I was thinking, okay, because honestly, I had hardly, I, I would say my average waiting time probably was maybe 20 minutes, half an hour. It was about half an hour or so gone past and I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know if I'm going to get picked up. I might have to try and flag a bus down. But lo and behold, this pickup truck pulled over, two South African guys, super nice, Trevor and James. And they're like, oh, we're going to Praia de Tofo, which is exactly where I was going, which is basically this beach on the coast a little bit up. So they're like, yeah, jump in the back. 
and they call pickups utes so they're like jump at the back of the ute i was like okay super so we drove to shai shai which is a you know fair sized town and we're like, okay, it's going to get dark. And the roads were bad. Like I said, there's only one road <laughs> that you would see potholes everywhere. We're like, okay, let's just stay in Shai Shai because there was no street lamps or anything like that. We don't really want to drive on this road at nighttime. Found a free camping spot. So that was great. And we got some food and some beers and had a campfire. It was awesome. And James was like, well, you, you can sleep in the back of the pickup next to me or you know pitch your tent whatever you want to do stupidly i did that because he ended up snoring all night so i was almost going to kill him <laughs> uh, but my tent was on its literally last legs i mean it only had two tent poles and one was broken so <laughs> that's why i chose that we left early in the morning and it took about four hours to drive to inhabane which is the nearest bigger town to tofu pray to tofu like i said the roads weren't too too bad in Hibane, we decided to have a lunch, so we had this awesome, like, fresh squid lunch with chips and soup and everything. It was like $3. Awesome. And then we went to the market just to stock up on camping supplies. Then we went to the road to get to, to Tofu. Well, <laughs> that road was brutal. <laughs> just ridiculous dirt road, potholes, like, craziness. Oh, I forgot to mention, when I was coming into Maputo, my guy who was who picked me up, we came on this road and there was a tree in the middle of the road. And he's like, oh, no, that's not a good sign. I was like, why? And he's like, because just a few days before, the banditos, the bandits, they would do that. They'd put trees in the middle of the road so people had to stop. And then you'd stop. They'd come out and and rob them. But they'd killed four people and robbed them. A few days before I was coming past it. So I was like, okay, so I have this in the back of my head, of course, too. Not ideal. Anyways, so on this really crappy road, we finally get to Tofo. All was well. No banditos, thank goodness. And there was a campground there. Again, free to camp. <laughs> so that was awesome. And we ended up picking a spot next to these six people, like this group of six people. They had kind of like a camper van. And they were awesome. So much fun. There was like South Africans, Aussies, Kiwis, and this Israeli guy called Biz, who was drop dead gorgeous, like totally my type, tall, dark, handsome, fit bod, super tan, crazy blue eyes. So I was like, yes, let's stay here. <laughs> and we just had an awesome time hanging out with them. It was so nice to meet other travelers as well because I hadn't really met any travelers for a long time because, you know, I worked in Durban for six weeks, stayed with my uncle. So it was probably my time in the valley before I went to Joburg that I'd kind of seen other travelers because, again, so I was in there, I was just with local people. It was awesome just to hang out with them. Tofu Beach is so beautiful. Oh, my God. Like the whole coastline of, I mean, actually Mozambique itself is an absolutely beautiful country. It's quite jungly. Like, so the whole coastline, which like I said, is the main road kind of goes near. It's just green, white, sandy beaches and crystal clear blue waters. I mean, you'd walk on the beach and the beach squeaked because it was that clean. <laughs> like I'd never walked on a beach that squeaked before. Just like that white powdery sand. Oh my gosh, it was beautiful. And with a good group of people, too. It was awesome. So, yeah, for like three days. And we would go and get seafood because there was actually a little, because there wasn't much there back then when I was there. 
but there's a few little stands and there was actually a seafood factory not too far from there. So we would go there and just get boxes of prawns. This one time we got a box of prawns, I think it was 10 kg and so nine king crabs. And it cost us $2 each. <laughs> what? So we feasted on seafood every night is awesome. And also they nearby that factory, there was, um, I don't know, a local little brewing place that made its own coconut wine. So we also bought like 10 liters of that, which me and one of the guys probably drank three liters each. Of, oh my gosh, it was crazy. And of course, the whole time I was just, you know, flirting with Biz big time and, yeah, did get a few kisses in there. So that was nice. And then you could go snorkeling and it was just honestly, it was paradise. I really didn't want to leave, <laughs> but I stayed there for three days. The only negative was so many mosquitoes. Ridiculous. So I was covered in mosquito bites. So that was the only drawback. Three days later, the guys dropped me off back on the main road because they were going south and I was going north because I, I was heading to Villanculos. I waited about, I think that was my longest wait, 70 minutes. So just over an hour. And there was like nothing around. And I was, because I'm back like kind of in the Imamon Road, so 20K from Tofo. So I couldn't really go back. Well, I could try and get hitched back there. But, you know, I was like, oh, no. And the roads are really curvy. And then finally, this pickup truck like comes racing around this corner because I was kind of standing just up from a corner because I wanted to be under a tree because it's hot and sunny. Yeah, so this pickup comes you know, raging around this corner, goes past me. And I'm like, okay. And then just slammed on the brakes and reversed at high speed and then stopped in front of me. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Like my gut, as I always say with hitching, especially you got to listen to your gut instinct. And I was just thinking, oh, these guys are like lunatics. <laughs> but I don't really, like it's getting later in the day. I don't know if any other cars are coming. I don't know what to do. So it was literally a 50-50. I was like, well, I'll just jump in the back of the pickup. I was talking to them, you know, the pickup has a little window, so I'm in like back of the pickup and they're like talking to me and they were like Portuguese Mozambicans, right? But they were on this crazy mission to get from Maputo to Harare, Zimbabwe in two days. And they at that point already been driving for 28 hours straight. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> you're driving like lunatics but like i said the roads are so bad like you come around a corner and there's like a pothole the size of a truck so we would be on two wheels sometimes like this is one of the times i was super scared i thought i am gonna die here and also thinking back like nobody even knows what country i'm in at home like nobody knows because i had i don't think i'd sent a postcard since maybe joburg or something so i'm thinking you know like i said no mobile phones <laughs> You know, no internet. But I'm just thinking, uh, yeah, I could die here and no one will even know where the hell I am. Anyway, so we'd be driving with these guys and then they'd stop every like hour. And I'm like, okay. And like stop in the hot sun. I was just saying. And then I'd look and like they're smoking heroin <laughs> through a pipe, tinfoil, you know, all that jazz. Okay. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, I haven't even seen any other cars nearby. Like, I, none have passed me. None of, so I'm just kind of literally in the middle of the jungle on this really bad road, just thinking, okay, yeah, this is it. <laughs> so after about the third time they stopped, I kind of tapped on the window 
and said, the next time you guys stop, would you mind stopping under a tree for the shade? Because it's just super hot back here. And they're like, yeah, no problem. Honestly, they're kind of like a Portuguese Cheech and Chong, really, <laughs> but heroin. But then he turned around and he's like, do you smoke heroin? I was like, no, thanks. I don't do that. You know, another hour goes by and all of a sudden they kind of slammed on the brakes, reversed and turned down this side road. I didn't even see. Like it was just like, I thought they're just driving into the jungle. <laughs> like I didn't even see it. And then they're just driving into the jungle. And I'm thinking, okay, they're now going to rape and kill me and steal all my shit. So I've got, I carried a six inch bone handle blade with me, which my uncle gave me before I left. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to leave my backpack. I've got my little, like, I kind of had like a little bum bag with my passport and money and everything like that. Like all my essentials were in there and my knife. That's all I was thinking. Okay, I got this. I'm going to have to leave my backpack. Sucks, but I'm running for my life. So this is all going through my head in like a couple of minutes. But we're in the jungle and then they stop under this huge banyan tree, like massive tree. And then he just opens the window, turns around. He's like, okay, so is this enough shade for you? It's like, yeah, that's this is plenty. <laughs> and then they offer me again. You sure don't want smoke? I'm like, no. Nope. And then it's just sparked up my joint and just kind of smoked that. Well, they're smoking that. And they're like, okay, you ready to go? I'm like, yeah, sure. So, yep, reversed through this track back onto the main road. Oh, my God. It was hilarious. And then we finally got two villanculos. So it took 10 hours. I mean, this normally would have taken two days because <laughs> they're, like I said, driving like lunatics, even though they would stop every hour or two hours or whatever. We did it in 10 hours, which was crazy. And they took me exactly where I wanted to go, pretty much, and even bought me dinner. <laughs> so I don't know. Don't judge a book by its cover, I guess. Like, they ended up being super nice. So we chatted over dinner and everything like that. Like I said, so then I, they took me to Villanculos and then headed the other way to make their their run to Harare in Zimbabwe. My God, it was just the craziest time. And like I said, probably one of the only times I really was scared that, you know, things could go horribly wrong. But it turned out to be great. <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah, so I got to Philicles and I was told about this campground there. I couldn't find it. And then there was just this one big hotel that was kind of on the seafront. And it was lovely because there was nothing else really open. So I think I was kind of there just middle of like shoulder season or something like that so I went into this hotel and there was a really lovely South African girl called Tina she was working there and she's like we don't have any guests at all she's like so if you want to just stay in my room for free you can do that <laughs> she's like I got two beds and everything I was like okay sounds awesome but this was great like I had not paid for accommodation until since Joburg so like what three weeks <laughs> I was either, be, you know, giving people's houses or hotels or whatever. So I was like, this is awesome, especially as I was very low on money. So, yeah, so I did that. Tina, her and I, we chatted. She was great. And she's like, oh, don't worry. Like, I'll just get your food for you. Just stay in the room and I'll just say it's mine because she got to eat for free because she was a staff. <laughs> so I didn't even have to pay for food. Awesome. So the next day, though, I woke up and I was not great. I had really, really bad diarrhea. I was puking. I couldn't keep anything down. I was just like, oh, no, this is malaria for the second time. Tina to go to a pharmacist and buy Fanzadar because I just knew I've already done this malarkey in Malawi. Or as I like to call Malawi, Malawia. Because <laughs> everyone got malaria in Malawi. 
And I reckon, oh, because I remember in TOEFL, I got so many mosquito bites. So I reckon that's where it came. And because I'd already had it only, what, six months before this, it, it just came, you know, affecting me really a lot quicker than last time. Anyway, so I took the Fanzadar, took a couple of days. I was really, really sick, super high fever. Luckily, Tina looked after me. I couldn't keep anything down for about two days. And it's the same kind of thing. Like, you're just puking and, and pooing bile. Like, there's nothing in my system. But, again, like, when I got it the first time, I luck- I was so fortunate to be with amazing people and be in a comfortable place. Do you know what I mean? Because it sucks. Malaria is brutal. So, after about four days or so, I started feeling a little bit better. And Villanculo is also is a really nice place on the beach. Before I got malaria, my plan was I really wanted to go up the whole coastline of Mozambique into Tanzania and then back up to like Kenya and Nairobi Bay that way. But North Mozambique was even like it was super, super hard to do. There just wasn't like the roads were really bad. There wasn't a lot of transport. But I had met in South Africa were aid workers and they also gave me some info about getting transportation with some VSOs and things like that. So that's what I wanted to do, is go up to Beta, and then from Beta, go with aid workers all the way up. But then I got sick, and I was just like, I was also getting really homesick. And, you know, like I said, I've been on the road now at this point over 14 months, and I was knackered. Like, I was really, really tired. And being sick, traveling solo, sucks. That's the worst thing for me. That's the only thing I don't like when I solo travel. Like I said, luckily, wherever I've been in the world, actually, when I've been really, really sick, I've had people look after me whether that be local people or other travelers. So I'm very fortunate in that regards. Anyway, so once I started to feel better in Villa Colos, Tina and I went out and we met the, some care aid workers who were really nice. And it was actually really interesting to listen to their perspective about working in Mozambique and what it's gone through and all that. So that was really interesting. And then we went for dinner with this guy, Edwin, who was building backpackers, rendezvous, you know, beach huts, things like that, restaurant. Again, didn't have to pay it, so that was cool. And then the next day, I went with Edwin and Tina and Jean-Paul, who was the carried work, one of the carried workers. We went to Bazaruta Archipelago Islands. So there's five islands that are there, which are just like Robinson Crusoe days. Like, hardly any people live there. They're super unspoiled, absolutely beautiful. So we went and spent the day on Magrek Island, and it was just so beautiful. And again, just the sand is so clean. It squeaks just like Tofu. And <laughs> we also uh, did some snorkeling there. It was, it's just absolutely beautiful. And then we went back to Villanicles and just had dinner, some garlic prawns. Like I ate seafood pretty much every day in Mozambique. So that was awesome. After a few days, I was you know back to 100% and like, okay, let's hit the road. So Jean-Paul arranged for another one of his care workers. Peter to give me a ride to Shomoy because I was like, okay, I, I cannot go to North Mozambique. I just don't have the energy. So I'm going to kind of cut back in through the Tet Corridor back up to Malawi and go to Blantyre because that's where, well, that's where I got malaria the first time. But also because I had friends there, Dave, who we had, we had the same last name. So we reckon we must be related. So he had um, a hostel there called Dougal's. So I was like, I just want to get back to what I know and who I know. Peter, he drove me to Shamoy. It took us like seven hours to drive like three hundred, two to 300 kilometers because the roads were that bad. But luckily he had a mattress in the back of the pickup because, you know, I was 
feeling a lot better, but still not 100%. So Lisa is comfortable on all these potholes. <laughs> Peter was like, oh, you can stay at the care guest house because you can stay there for free, the care workers. And I was like, oh, yay, awesome. Again, still haven't paid for accommodation. It's great. Peter and I went for dinner, and he insisted on me telling him all the highlights of my whole trip. So we ended up talking for hours, as you can imagine. <laughs> and he paid for dinner, which was lovely. And then the next morning, he dropped me off like 7.30 in the morning outside Shamoy so I could hitch because I was really, really wanting to get to Blantyre in Malawi that day. But I managed to get a ride with the South African guy to Tent, but we got there too late to cut across the border. So that was the first night I had to pay for accommodation in like three to four weeks. So that kind of takes us up to the Tet in Mozambique. So I'm going to wrap up this episode, and next episode will be my return to Malawi, because we only have a few more episodes left in this series. But of course, before we go, first of all, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a step along the way. And I think, yeah, I'm going to do it every second Thursday. That seems to work for me. Okay, <laughs> so thank you for listening, by the way, and being a bit on and off this summer. So apologies for that. And now it's time for... Tam's Top Tips. So tip number one from Mozambique. They're going through another struggle right now, so I don't think you could really go. I know there's a lot of fighting and stuff like that, which sucks because, like I said, it was such a beautiful country, and the people were so happy that the war was over. Even though I'd see people without limbs, like one leg, no legs, one arm, because of all those damn landmines, but the overall feeling was that they were so happy. And also to see people international people as well. They were always really friendly, really nice. I mean, they all speak Portuguese pretty much, although there are 40 other languages spoken in, in Mozambique. But if you spoke Portuguese, you're good to go. <laughs> and it's about 63 medicals to $1. Remember when I was there, 6,000. So 63. And I do think they still accept South African Rand as well. Now, the good thing about Mozambique, especially southern Mozambique, is that it's not too far from Joburg, Johannesburg in South Africa, and Maputo is the capital. And so if you're going to Maputo, like I didn't, I did walk around while I was trying to get out. So I did go to the Colonial train station, which is amazing. And there is also the Mercado Municipal Market, which you definitely should go because there's everything under the sun for sale there, and it's a really good atmosphere. There's also the Maputo Cathedral. And I didn't go, but the Tandura Botanical Gardens is also there. So for Maputo. But really, like I said, you only need one day, really, in Maputo. Because the beaches is where, is, that's Mozambique. <laughs> Tip number two is, yeah, Praia de Tafo, which is where I was, or just Tafo. And now it's it's still pretty quiet. So there's really only one road that has, like, all the cafes, restaurants. Snor like, snorkeling and diving is huge because those water... That water is still crystal clear, and there's loads of sea creatures in there, including sharks, but also whale sharks. So it's apparently really, really good to go spot whale sharks, and you can even swim with them. Just keep your distance, obviously. I wish I would have known that, because I totally would have tried that. <laughs> I wanted to do it in the Philippines, but there was a typhoon, so <laughs> could not do that. <laughs> and Tovo, you know, the main thing is just chilling. And also diving and snorkeling. And of course, the whale sharking. And there's another beach nearby called Bara, which is, is smaller than Tovo. And it's even more chilled. 
that's possible. So basically, you're just going to be horizontal the whole time, I guess. And it's it's similar, you know, diving and snorkeling, things like that. And Mozambique's really cheap to this day. So it's a great place. You know, if you want a beach holiday, definitely check it out. And then tip number three is, like I said, is that uh, Bazaruto Archipelago because it's stunning. It's so beautiful. And there's five islands there. I went to Magareca. And you can do diving and snorkeling and lots of sea creatures there to see as well, including crocodiles. So <laughs> keep your eye out. And like I said, there's other sharks there too that could bite you. So, you know, be careful. So go with a good company wherever you do any diving or snorkeling in Mozambique. And then for solo female travelers, I would say, I mean, I hitched the whole way through Mozambique. And like I said, I didn't even pay for accommodation. I totally paid for food. <laughs> So I didn't have any problems there. Like I said, obviously right now in 20, where are we, September 2021, like I said, you'd have to, oh, obviously COVID too, but check out the situation in Mozambique with the fighting. It's been like Ethiopia. Ethiopia's just gone crazy again, which sucks, you know. Again, I was in Ethiopia and Eritrea shortly after that war ended. I was in Africa and a lot of big historical things happened, actually. Anyways, okay, so that is a wrap for this episode. So we will see you next time on Thursday. So that's why I say make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode along the way. And obviously you always get more details or listen to my podcast on my website, manyroadstraveled.com. Okay, so we'll see you next time when we go back to Malawi. And until then, safe travels one road at a time.